Celebrate the big 2020 with T-Mobile. Switch now and get two lines for just 90 bucks and two new iPhone 11s on us. So you can take a portrait built for two with the ultra-wide camera. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, cute. Hurry in to T-Mobile and get two lines for 90 bucks and two iPhone 11s on us with qualifying trade-ins. Via 24 credits for well-qualified buyers with auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. If you cancel before receiving 24 credits, you may owe up to the full value of your device of $699.99. Contact us. Qualifying port-ins and finance agreements required. You have turned into Remote Control's latest episode. Listen in as the GCRN crew talks TV from 2000 until now. With pilot and season premiere episodes, finishing finales, and season passes as well. Now get ready to change the channel with your remote control as we bring you the latest and greatest in the world of television. All from the GeekCast Radio Network, we are all remote controlled. was unexpected it forced me to move up my plans but what I told the police was true this is no ordinary sub shop this is firehouse subs welcome to firehouse tired of overpriced lunches that under deliver on flavor head to firehouse subs where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub choose from a medium smoked turkey Virginia honey ham or roast beef they're custom made hot subs at a price ready made to make you smile just $4.99 only at firehouse subs Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. The man in the green hood was there in that warehouse. And he's just beginning. That's right, grab that remote control because the GCRN's brand new TV podcast is here. We are calling it Remote Control. I am your host, TFG and Mike, and joining me is Steve Megatron. Hello. Hello. How are you? Drunk. Really? No. Damn. I just wanted to see what you'd say. We so need to do a drunk cast. We really do. <laughs> we all ought to get hammered on the 29th of December and, and do the year in review drunk. <laughs> as long as you're not playing with your hammer on the air that's no problem wait what <laughs> you know me and the the the, the yeah. underside jokes the last week and a half <laughs> last week and a half too well, much time with two dodd. and a half months too much yeah. time hanging out with dodd yeah um and making his remote control debut is chuck from talking in circles hello how's it going it's going so what part we of need... the circle are you <laughs> I would be one of the 360 degrees. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> that, and he has a creepy alter ego. Yeah. It's interesting <laughs> that we can make a circle out of three people, which would normally be a triangle, but, you know, we make it work. Should have called the podcast the Triforce of Wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> When people would really get confused, we're like, wait, is this a gaming podcast? What's going on here? <laughs> but then everybody um, would call them a girl because that they would, you know, Zelda. Yeah. yeah. Well, three links, one room, that wouldn't make any difference. Um, we're not going that, that route. <laughs> okay, so... <clears throat> 
We've taken care of the pilot premieres for the 2014 television season for the fall. We were going to do Constantine. The timing didn't work out. I still have it in my iTunes. We may do it eventually for a season pass or a finishing finale or something like that. But honestly, Constantine, I know it's on a lot of other people's radars. It's not on mine. I have too much TV that I have to watch. Um... So we are starting a new era here on Remote Control, and this is going to be the era of the season pass. Basically, if you didn't listen to the episode zero of this podcast, first of all, go back and listen to that. Second of all, what season passes are is myself, Steve, or whoever else I decide to bring on here for whatever show that they're interested in. We go through an entire season of television and talk about it within somewhere between 30 to 45 minutes to an hour each time around. Um... And tonight we're doing one of Steve's favorites, one of my favorites, and one of Chuck's favorites. We're doing The CW's Arrow Season 1. Now, Steve, when did you first hear about this, and what were your initial thoughts about this series? Um, I've been watching it since day one. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I heard that it was coming down the pipe because I watched CW for Supernatural. Um, and whose line is it anyway? And then now Arrow and Flash. But... Um, I was just when I when I heard about it, I was hoping that it would not turn out to be another Smallville, which thankfully it did not. <laughs> Ten years ago, the damn suit doesn't even put it on, and then first episode in this show. So here we go, here we go. Hey, Come on hey, now. Hey. <laughs> so yeah, um, so I, I I was greatly pleased when I saw the first episode, and he actually wore the suit, albeit a a very um, early edition, but he at least put the thing on. Mm-hmm. So, what about you, Chuck? What were your like? When did you first hear about Arrow? What was your initial reaction to it? Uh, were you excited? Were you not excited? Did you expect a Smallville two point Um, I was very excited. I th- I think I heard about it um online. Just you know, I checked my uh, various geek sites every day and stuff. Um, I think that's where I kind of found out about it, and I was excited because. Um, I think I'm like the 1% on the planet that actually enjoyed Smallville. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was super excited because I, I enjoyed that show. It had a lot of sentimental value to me. Um, I know there were a lot of issues with that show, but I was anxious to see how CW would do Green Arrow because I thought it would translate well being a more like street-level character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's face it, he is the Star City version of Batman. No, he's Batman Light. (laughs) Oh, God, here we go. All right, so before we get too far into the actual discussion of the season, we are going to do several categories here. We're going to do stage dressing, we're going to do casting couch, and then we're going to get into our overall thoughts on the season. Um, For the stage dressing, we have obviously debuted 2012 on the channel CW. The show length is one hour, or depending on how long the episodes actually are, it's anywhere between 41 and 45 minutes long without commercials. So far, there are three seasons, and so far, there have been 51 episodes. No, well, because I looked at the air date wrong, because this goes up. This actual podcast will air the day that the 52nd overall episode goes up of the series. So, um, as of this recording, there are 51. By the time you're listening to this, 52 episodes of the show would have aired. Uh, So there's that. Um, And the cast. I mean, let's let's talk about the cast for a minute here. Uh, You've got... um, Stephen Amell as Oliver Queen, Green Arrow, or Arrow, I should say. Um, what do you guys think of, of this version of, of Oliver Queen, Steve? Um, I wasn't too familiar with the character before the show, to be honest, um, because to me he's like a second-level Justice Leaguer. Um, more so because the, you, you have you know, your main seven or eight, and he just kind of mm-hmm. is is there after that like I, I would rank him very high on the second tier but um my only actual knowledge of him was from the justice league unlimited animated series so mm. uh before this i didn't have that much knowledge i mean i knew enough between like the dark knight returns and 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 watching that it, i i knew enough that he was like 
Starling City's Batman, basically. Just mm-hmm. in a different, you know, use bow and arrows instead of batarangs, and it was very similar. But uh, other than that, I didn't really know all that much. And had you ever seen Justin Hartley as Green Arrow in Smallville? I couldn't get past the first season of that show. I turned it off. Wow. Okay, well... We will so be doing Smallville season passes at some point. Obviously, Steve won't be on those episodes, but... Um, <laughs> Crush, uh, kill, destroy. <laughs> oh, stop it. Um, <laughs> uh, Chuck, what about you? What do you think of Amel as um, as Oliver? And obviously, you had seen Justin as the other Oliver in Smallville. What do you like better or worse from each of them? Well... I had I had knew, known uh, Green Arrow from a little bit of comics and cartoons and stuff. He's a very very much a playboy type of character, like a Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also got the Batman side to him, very strategic and tactical, and he kind of like switches that on and off. And something that I thought Justin Hartley did a great job as was the uh, the playboy part of it. You know the the womanizer always wanting to date, you know, different women and doing this and that. Um, and at first Stephen Amell was, I don't want to say terrible, but he was kind of bad at portraying that side of himself. Um, and then, but he was really, really good at the other parts, like the action, the drama. Um, and then as the season progressed, as the show progressed, he got a lot better at both of those things and it was to the point where I like Stephen Amell so much more now than Justin Hartley. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, like Steve, I came from Justice League Unlimited when technically in that he is the seventh member of the Justice League because during the point of that, Hot Girl is gone. So he kind of fills the seventh spot for a while. Um and I loved the voice acting in there. I loved the the camaraderie he had with Black Canary. Uh, I think out of all of the JLU episodes that are non-Batman centric, Double Date is by far the greatest one because <laughs> you've got Arrow, you've got Green Arrow and and Canary, and then Question and Huntress <laughs> as couples. And I just thought that was great. Uh, Justin Hartley, I have to go back and watch Smallville. I remember him. But I think I only remember him from the Justice Society episode or whatever it was. The very first episode that the Justice League kind of formed in the show. Um, so I'm going to have to go back and watch uh, <coughs> watch more Smallville. Uh, with Stephen Amell, I think he does a, a damn good job. Uh, I, I think what they're doing with Arrow is that, at least on, on his side of the casting, is that he's been on an island for five some odd years. You know, he... The Playboy side isn't going to come to him right away. I mean, in the flashbacks it does, and he might suck at it a little bit. But once he comes back, he has to learn how to do all that stuff all over again. That's uh, true, yeah. So It just seemed like the moments where he was like, when this family would have like a party, you know, and he was trying to be... And maybe they did that on purpose, like you said, but it was just like stale. Like he just didn't come across as like a... You know, somebody that could take over a room and have all eyes on him. Yeah, no, probably not. Um, we also have Katie Cassidy as Laurel Lance, Dinah Laurel Lance. Um, I like Laurel. She's all right. She gets kind of, you know, we'll talk about this next week uh, in season when we do the season two season pass. Um she was fine in season one. In season two, she goes on a slope that I just did not like. Um, what do you guys think of her, Steve? Of uh, Laurel? Yeah. I, well, first of all, seeing her right from the get-go reminded me of her character in Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was um, the first Ruby demon uh uh, in the show so that's that's where i knew her from first i know she's been in a lot of other cw programs as well but um among other things but i kind of liked her but i kind of was like i i really don't care for her in in this role like she just annoyed me and and to some degree Mm -hmm. 
she still does. Um, <laughs> but she's starting to actually, I don't know, evolve beyond. I mean, not that she didn't have moments where, where her character changed throughout the series because she has, but I think now she's finally starting to actually get more of that main cast feel. Mm-hmm. Um, being in three, but in season one, I, I thought that she was kind of just there. Mm. What about you, Chuck? Um, I think I'm going to kind of echo what Steve said. I guess like season one, she was kind of annoying and, you know, I was going to bring that up later too, but the whole love trial triangle thing just kind of really got on my nerves at times in the first (laughs) season, just because it's such an old thing. Like we, you know, you see an X-Men, you see it in Smallville, you see it all these other things. And, uh, she she just kind of struck me as a little bit annoying, um, but she's she she came around a little bit, and I remember thinking too, I'm like, how is she gonna end up as Black Canary? <laughs> you know, and I remember trying to figure that out and stuff, and you know, I got thrown for a little bit of a loop, needless to say. I think we all did because no one expected that, you know. Well, I don't think anybody expected the avenue they took with that character, and I I knew the character as Black Canary as well. Well, mm-hmm. like, I mean, just the character. Um, but mm-hmm. I I wasn't sure how that was going to come into play. Absolutely. All right. So up next we have. <laughs> We have David Ramsey as John Diggle. I feel like I've seen him before, and I had to actually look him up because, I don't know, I just felt like I had seen him in so many other things. Um, Looking at his uh, filmography here, oh, I mean, I remember him from several things like Pay It Forward and... um, uh, Con Air, Nutty Professor, but I haven't seen Nutty Professor in a long, long time. Um, he's done some pretty damn good work. Um, what do we think of the character of Diggle, Steve? Um, well, for one, I know that they created him for the show, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think no. that I think that he adds this kind of conscious um, consciousness to. Oliver Queen that he kind of lacks it's more of the kind of the role model but also kind of telling him you know uh, like gauging his right and wrong mm-hmm. so in that sense I, I, I kind of like him uh, but I, I, I definitely see him as a welcome character what about you Chuck love him absolutely love him <laughs> he I like you said he was created for this show but um, I think and he has a role that sort of changes in the three seasons, but in season one, to me, he really echoed like, or he mirrored um, Oliver's relationship in the past, like that he was developing with um, Slade Wilson. In, mm. in the present, you have Diggle that's kind of becoming his buddy, you know, teaching him things like uh, teaching him things about himself. And sort of that moral compass, like like Steve mentioned, um, I just really love his character. I thought he added a lot to the show and uh, really kind of cured some of that blandness, like in the beginning, because there was a lot of uh, a lot of good interactions between him and Oliver, a lot of good talks. Yeah, absolutely. I I love Diggle. I think he's I think he's really grown over the three seasons. In season one. I thought they were just going to do him as a throwaway character, like what they did with the driver after him, where he's like, you know, where, 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 where Dig says, good luck trying to keep up. You know, that's really what I thought they were going to do with him. I'm glad they didn't, because obviously Oliver needs a team. He needs people he can trust, and thankfully Dig is one of those. Um, up next is uh, Quentin Lance, played by Bl- Paul Blackthorne. Um, hmm. uh, this man is going to uh, be in something else Steve loves uh, coming up. Uh, he's going to be Dr. Meldman in Dumb and Dumber 2. Hmm. I <laughs> didn't know he was attached to that, but um, first time I'd seen him, though, mm-hmm. uh, was in... I'm trying to think of the name of the show. It it lasted a season. 
It's based on some books. Uh, Warehouse 13? No, The Dresden Files. Ah, uh, yes. I actually liked his character in that. It was kind of kind of neat, uh, his portrayal on that, and then seeing him kind of playing a similar type character, but uh, this time he's an actual cop instead of a supernatural vigilante. Holy crap, he was in 24. Everybody's been in 24 at some point. Well, yeah, but he was in 24 back in uh, season 3 in 2004. Uh, Stephen Saunders. Um, I like him as as Detective Lance. I think there are times where his voice is a little too gravelly. It's a little too Christian Bale Batman. Um, but I mean, I like him <laughs> overall as a character in this. What about you, Chuck? Yeah, I like him as well. Um, I, I guess I don't have a whole lot to say about him, but I with him, I kind of think of something along the lines of like Dennis Leary and Amazing Spider Man. It's kind of like that that blue collar guy, you know. He's, Except he's better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's much better. Um, but he's got that attitude attitude toward vigilantes, and it just kind of adds that every man perspective to the show. I guess you could say. Absolutely. Um, so we're only going to talk about a few more here. Um, we got to mention Willa Holland, aka Thea Queen. I was surprised to see her in this because the last time I had seen her in anything, she was on a, a Fox show uh, called The O.C. back in 2003 to 2005. Um, I like her. I like that they kind of use the whole speedy thing. Um, I think that's really cool. Yeah, um, yeah. And that actually comes back in season two, which we'll talk about next time. Uh, which I thought was really cool how they brought that around. What do you guys think of uh, of Thea in this, uh, Steve? Um, first, I wasn't actually familiar with her character whatsoever mm-hmm. uh, before this. Um, but again, I think she's another just kind of side, second layer, you know, second or third layer character here. I mean, not that she isn't important again, but uh, again, she doesn't really get her own until season three. Mm-hmm. That's true. What what about you, Chuck? Overall, uh, overall, I guess I I don't really care too much for her character. As far as season one goes, I think mm-hmm. she. I was kind of wondering why is she there? You know, like why does he need a sister? Um, yeah. You know, she added she added a little bit at times, certain episodes, um, but you know, overall, like she she didn't really see some bigger roles until the second season, and especially the third. Absolutely, very true. Um, the last one I think we're going to talk about is uh, Emily Bett Rickards, who plays Felicity Smoke. Um, Felicity is awesome, but she needs to stay on The Flash with Barry. That's what she needs to do at this point. <laughs> I actually like her here, but that's only because she kind of reminds me of Oracle. Yeah. So she's, again, it's another parallel to Batman. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, thoughts on Felicity, Chuck? Yeah, I I do get the Oracle vibe. I also get the, and Steve's probably going to hate this, but I get the Chloe vibe from Smallville. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it doesn't, it doesn't make me from... mad because I have no reference point for it. So, <laughs> oh. uh, But she's, well, she is would... better than Chloe, I will say. I'd say she's almost on par with Chloe from 24. Um, That's who I was thinking when you said the name. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, all right, now we are going to what about jump. One, what about oh, another uh, very important character? I, I don't, I don't know if you wanted to bring him in later, but how about uh, John Barrowman? Oh yeah, Malcolm Merlin. Everybody has this huge fascination with this actor for some odd reason. I have no idea why. No clue why everyone loves this guy. Yeah, um, I wasn't aware of that, but I do like him a lot in this show. Yeah, he is pretty good. Um, I, I think it's like, I think my one apprehension about watching this series when season one first kind of premiered was like, what are they like? I know the count is, you know, Count Vertigo is is an Arrow villain. I know Deadshot sometimes tends to be an Arrow villain, 
But I'm sitting here thinking, what villains are they going to put in this damn series? Because, let's face it, the Green Arrow rogues gallery is not as big as someone as, say, Batman or Superman or, hell, even Wonder Woman or, you know. uh, But they've managed to do a damn good job. They really have. Uh, And Barrowman did, you know, for what scenes he was in in season one, uh, you know, the whole behind the scenes thing, he did a damn good job. Absolutely. All right, so now it is time to jump or not to jump the shark. Uh, I like sharks. There is absolutely... Okay, I did a written review for Blake Neely's um, uh, season one score. Uh, We live in a day and age, ladies and gentlemen, where TV show theme songs are a thing of the past. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not... You know, saying anything against Mr. Neely's scoring because he does have an amazing score for the first season. And the opening theme is at the end of the first track, but it's just that last like few seconds is what the opening theme is on the show. And there really isn't one. I mean, it's like a half a second as the arrow is coming up on screen, and then that's it. So my problem isn't with the music itself it's with the fact that tv people don't like doing theme songs anymore i guess i don't know uh general plot season one is basically oliver returns after being you know stranded on an island for five years and his mission is to uh you know right his father's wrongs because come to find out that um robert queen uh is one of the people who failed starling city uh, and he has basically a hit list. Let's just call it what it is. And he's going through and putting arrows in everybody for the majority of season one. Um, I think the interesting thing for me with this whole aspect with his father is that it's Jamie Sheridan playing his dad. And where I know Jamie Sheridan from is uh, Law and Order Criminal Intent. He was the captain for a number of seasons on that show. And it took me a while, and when I looked at the cast, I'm like, whoa, wait, what? Really? Uh, so that was kind of cool. So we we basically have the first season's overall plot being that Oliver wants to save the city, but he also has to juggle his home life. Um, what kind of notes did you take down for the first season, Chuck? Um. I guess just uh, my my biggest thing was the dual storyline going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the past and you have the present, and I I think that was awesome. And I I know like I know there's other shows that have done that and stuff, but it it was so much more than just flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Like everything they did in the past mirrored what was happening in the present with every episode. I just thought it was tied together really well. In, in each and every episode, pretty much. Um, Absolutely. It was, it was like, it wasn't overly annoying. They weren't forcing it on you. It was just enough to sort of craft a really good story for, for each episode. And, and also as a, you know, kind of linking them all together for the season. I did feel by the time we got to the end, there were a couple of flashbacks that just... I don't know, I just didn't care about them. But, um, you know, going back and, like I said, I had seen, like, I think I had seen the pilot for this. And I had seen, like, the first six or seven or eight episodes. And and I kept watching and kept watching. It was getting better and better and better. Um, and I watched all the way through the first season. But l- let's face it, the first season was two years ago at this point that we're recording this. And... I had to go back on Netflix and watch the whole season over again before we did this recording. So I knew because I, I didn't remember. The only thing I remember is that the undertaking happens, mm. a giant quake, the glades is dead, and so is Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's really all I, re- I. I remembered bits and pieces of the Count storyline. I remembered, you know, hey, the, there's a dark archer who, who has black arrows and he's killing people. I remembered that, but. I didn't remember a lot of everything else, so I actually went back and watched the entire season again. 
Um, Steve, what did you overall? What notes did you write down for season one for Arrow? Um, well, I first of all, I I, I had I had this hard time watching season one only because um, I don't know it started to get kind of blah for me about midway into season one, mm-hmm. and then I actually originally dropped it. I I just. I, I said I'll I'll check it out when season two comes back because right now it's kind of a train wreck, but it it was kind of that I, I felt like it was in this rut, but also at the same time it it was it was trying to lay the groundwork, which is mm-hmm. good, but I it, it kind of bored me. <laughs> um, but it did it did strengthen back up again towards the end of the season, but I think it's also because they got the uh, renewal notice. Yeah. That's one thing I've noticed, and that's one thing we're going to talk about as we do season passes, is how a show changes midway through once they get a renewal notice. Like, there are some TV shows nowadays that they get picked up for a full season, and they do their best, they do their best, and then at some point they say, oh, well, we haven't got that renewal notice yet, so we're just going to phone it in. Well, it's kind of like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Oh. Same. I'm not going to go into detail, but I'm, I'm going to say yeah. that the show was utter. It, it was it was decent for the first episode or two, then it turned to utter crap, and then there was a couple of hints of something to come in the episodes, and then it was utter crap, and then uh, Captain America two happened, and the show picked up, and it's it's yeah. hit the ground running since. So pretty much, yeah. It's it's you know it, it took a film that it's tied to to get keep going, whereas this it's it's its own thing. And because of the success of this, it's also spawned multiple seasons and a uh, spinoff. So it's, it, I can see where this show kind of, y- even though it started out kind of weak, it, it picked up and it, it, it built the lore. And it, even though it took some liberties and, and changed some things, it, it, I think it worked out to its advantage, uh, especially for somebody that, you know, like myself, that doesn't know much about uh, these secondary characters that kind of made them primary characters for once mm-hmm. um for me when i was taking my notes i had 17 things that i wrote down uh that first escape in the pilot when when oliver just ducks right out of the car as it's moving and they was like wait what where'd he go <laughs> i love that moment <laughs> um the first season, I'm finally glad they they gave him a name after a while because the hood just didn't seem right. The vigilante didn't seem right. Well, they were they were the city's nicknames for them to kind of, uh, yeah, you know, to kind of put a a, a face to the name kind of thing or name face mm-hmm. you know name to the face or whatever. But it, it's kind of also along the same lines of their they're trying to evolve the character little by little every season mm-hmm. uh, so he, the name changes every time his costume changes and he gets more refined so yeah. eventually he will become the green arrow the green arrow yeah um we'll put an apb out on robin hood <laughs> i love that that's just such a great line um and then oliver asks i think he asks diggle because somebody else makes a reference to it what's twilight so better off not knowing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, by this point, I'm up to the Deadshot episode. Deadshot is damn awesome. Yeah. Uh, and and damn, can uh, can Laurel fight? Those those self defense classes really paid off. Uh, Bloodhaven reference. We so need Nightwing in this series. Well, they, even if they it's just in the for reasons. Yeah, yeah no. keep, keep that in mind. I know. Yeah, I've been it's taking too damn too. long. Uh, I thought by that point the show is moving fast uh, ni- and very nicely. Love the effects. Uh, the story is very well written. I mean, the episode four cliffhanger was great. I thought that was amazing. Um, <laughs> Dig tried touching an arrow when he was sent to uh, the arrow cave. Then says, "Ow! Of course they're gonna be." sharp you idiot <laughs> you don't oh lord um what do you think of the green eye paint 
<laughs> it, it was I'm, again. It was. It was. You know, him part of trying the evolution to. Of, yeah. I I'm trying to figure out why people just don't like do a do a WWF stare down with him so they can actually look at his face. Like every every time I see him in season one and he's got his head down, his hood doesn't come. It comes over his his forehead, but it does. If people really want to get down on their knees and look up when he's like when he's got his head down, you could clearly see his face, green paint or not. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Huntress episode was amazing. I love that. That was awesome. Um, and the world building, uh, season one, so many introductions, returning characters. Uh, when Deadshot came back again, that that was awesome. I, I just, I love how they have built the world in the first season. And I know a lot of people say the first season didn't really excite them all that much. But I guess because I, it had been so long since I had seen the first season, I was pretty much going into it with fresh eyes. And almost every single thing, like none of my notes are like any complaints about season one. I mean, yeah, there are character complaints with what with Laurel and with with uh, with, with Detective Lance and stuff like that, but uh, in episode uh, twenty one, um, when Felicity was in the casino, she really shouldn't have said what she said. <laughs> you act like we all remember. Uh, it was um, uh, she's got the earpiece in her ear. And he says to her, "Don't don't worry, I'm I'm here with you." And she says, uh, "Oh yeah." <laughs> she says, uh, <laughs> "She says I'm so glad I have you inside me." And she's like, "Wait, no, that's not what I meant." <laughs> yeah, I, <remember> <laughs> like, <laughs> I absolutely love that. Um, she yeah, she's awkward, but they don't make it like annoying. Like they they kind of pick yeah. their moments. The whole and I hope they do more of this. As we go along, but um, the joke about the tracking device in the boot, Green Arrow does that kind of crap all the time. You know, it, it, the the funny things uh, in Justice League Unlimited, uh, he made he made a quip about, uh, and and Black Canary said a boxing glove arrow would never work. You know, it, it's that kind of thing that I want to see more of in this show. I mean, yeah, I know it's a serious and dark show, but it doesn't have to be that dark. And I think that they're by now, they're injecting a little bit more humor to it. It's not as light as the Flash is, but uh, I, I just I thought that was awesome. Um, and come to find out that his mother. And both of his parents are basically in on this whole plan to destroy the city just because someone killed Merlin's wife. And it just, I, <laughs> God, if that, if, if I ever found out my parents did something like that, I'd probably go crazy too. Um, the undertaking was interesting. Uh, at first I thought Tommy was going to be a throwaway character. Because when we first see um, Ollie come home, he's like, all right, let's get back to partying, yeah. And they did kind of, you know, give him, you know, character development as the season went along. But I wasn't um, too shaken up to see him leave, honestly. Because it's Warner Brothers in DC. They'll find a way to revive him at some point. (laughs) (laughs) They did revive him. Did they? Yeah, for flashback. In a way. Well, flashbacks don't count. <laughs> flashbacks don't count. Um, uh, overall, I really enjoyed season one. I don't. I, I think there's a difference in watching TV shows nowadays where you watch it as it airs and you form. And I, I, I do this. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm I'm the exception here. You watch TV shows episode by episode as they air on television, and you formulate opinions as you go along. When I watched this in one lump sum, because it took me about, I don't know, three weeks to watch 20-some-odd episodes, um, uh, you know, there wasn't too many things that pissed me off about the show. There really wasn't. Um... Is there anything out of season one, Steve, that just really got your goat? 
Not really. I mean, uh, upon subsequent viewing, it's 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 fine. It's it's minor pet peeves on my part. It's not even anything that's really. I don't know. I I wouldn't call it annoying. Mm-hmm. What about you, Chuck? The only thing for me, and I did mention it before, but the love triangle between Oliver, Laurel, and Tommy yeah. just yeah, that got was really. Annoying really annoying to me at times because they just overdid it but it wasn't to the point where it it ruined the show for me because i kind of just ignored it and there was so many other great things about it so absolutely um do you guys have a favorite uh villain character that showed up this season steve not really i mean i would probably say deadshot but that's just because i think the character's cool what about you chuck yeah, I like Deadshot a lot. Um, trying to think of who else was in there. We had the Count. We had Malcolm. We had. Uh, uh, I'm trying to. Yeah, I can't think the, either. The Clock King was second season, right? Yeah, the Clock King yep. was season two. Okay. Yeah, I I actually liked Merlin a lot. Um, just because I remember thinking like being so frustrated. Um, towards the middle middle end of the season how merlin was always one step ahead of oliver and Mm -hmm. it like it frustrated me in a good way though because it's like you always expect the good guy to win and get the upper hand and he just always kept falling short because merlin was always like one up in him and it was like refreshing because like you know the villain's getting the best of somebody and it was kind of a it's kind of a new thing that ended up working out for the better Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I liked the... I thought it was kind of cliched that they did it this way, but I liked the take on the Count. Because normally when I see Count Vertigo, he's very upper crust. Um, like, you know, holding pinkies in the air, you know, afternoon tea and all that. Uh, I like this version of him. He reminds me of what uh, Frost was in the first Blade movie. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Good pull there. Um, yeah. Um, overall, the the entire season really, really dug it. Um, so we are going to... Do you guys have any other final thoughts for season one? Nope. Uh, I had a couple things, I guess. Okay. Um, just the one thing about uh, going back to Deadshot was um, I was really glad to see they brought him back um, because I thought it it drove a big wedge sort of between Oliver and Diggle because mm-hmm. Diggle obviously, you know, having personal reasons to kind of go and get this guy because he killed his brother and this and that. Um, so there, it created a lot of turmoil between Diggle and Oliver, you know, Diggle kind of want to breaking off and going after Deadshot. Oliver saying we need to stay on the mission and stuff like that, that uh, created a lot of cool moments. Um, and then the other thing, uh, just sort of a campy little trivia thing, but I know we mentioned Diggle was created for the show, um, but actually it was, he was, I guess, liked so much that uh, when they did the new 52, he was added to the comics universe in the Green Arrow comics in t- 2013. Yeah. Um, and they also have an Arrow-centric comic as well, uh, like a like a comic just for the show yeah. outside of the new 52. So I have yet to pick that up. I may pick it up eventually. Um, I picked it up. Which... It's, it's quite interesting. It's pretty cool. What... Um... What does it center around? It's kind of, it's kind of like just more backstory, kind of exploring that world a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I finished it completely. I think I just kind of started it, but um, I remember th- thinking it's like very, like if you're super into that world and stuff, and you want to know like more details about stuff, like it, it'd be a good thing to pick up. Cool, cool. 
All right, we are going to take a quick break, come back with the GCRN review, which is our rating stuff, and then we'll exit stage left after this. Now for a behind-the-scenes look at GeekCast Radio Network's newest show, Talking in Circles. So, Chuck, Greg, what are you guys thinking for this week's show? Well, Dan, how about we just talk about the things that we've read or watched this week? We do reviews like that every week, Chuck. How about a game, like Fact or Fiction, or The Power of Names? Those are great, and we're always coming up with new ideas for games. And how about some top fives? You know how I love my top fives. What about tournament-style brackets, or sequel reboot and destroy, who will win in a fight, taking too far, crazy but true news, or... Yes, it appears we have lots of things to work on. Listen to Talking in Circles, taking timeless topics in new directions. Every Tuesday on iTunes or GeekCastRadio.com, the GeekCast Radio Network. Hey Dan, who's the guy with the creepy voice? Alright, we are... Wait a second, I gotta pull that up for you guys. I know you know it, Steve, but I gotta pull it up for Chuck. Search, damn it, search, Chuck. I'm gonna put the our rating system link in the in the chat so you can look at it. Okay. Just let me know when you're ready. Let's see. Okay, so you got basically like a five star thing. Yeah. Okay. All right, we are back, and we're going to talk about reviewing Season 1 as far as what we would rate it and kind of like final thoughts, uh, predictions of where Season 2 is going to go, that kind of thing. Um, When you guys were watching Season 1 as it aired, where did you think Season 2 was going to go before you found out, Steve? Uh, I wasn't sure if it was going to go anywhere, actually. Um... I was kind of hoping that they would do what they did, which is evolve it. Mm. Um, but I, I didn't really have any high hopes for it after watching season one. Mm. I wasn't sure if I was going to keep watching. So, What would you rate season one? Um, just because of its, its early nature and the fact that... Um, I didn't know what was going to happen at the time, and, and a lot of the characters just seemed kind of like, bleh, throwaway, um, <laughs> which some of them were. Uh, I'd give it like a 3.5 out of 5. Okay. All right. What about you, Chuck? What was your initial thought? Uh, you know, what, what were your hopes for season two after watching season one? Well, I kind of expected it to come down to Deathstroke at some point because they were hinting at him pretty heavily. Um, I just wasn't sure at what point they would give, you know, get to him. I kind of thought they would milk it a little bit longer, sort of develop a, that relationship with Slade and Oliver even more. So I, I thought the Deathstroke stuff wouldn't come till like maybe season three. Mm-hmm. So that threw me off a little bit, but uh, pleasantly surprised though overall. What would you rate season one? Oof. <laughs> I I don't know. Yeah, this might raise an eyebrow, but I tend to let my emotions get the best of me. But I would have to say a four point five. I, I think there's issues, but you know, obviously the 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 good things greatly overshadow the the bad things, in my opinion. Yeah, I could almost agree with that. I'm uh I'm gonna give it a four out of five. Um, there were little nitpicky things I didn't mention now that I think about it, but I mean overall, it's a damn good opening to this opening twenty something odd episodes to the series. Um, I liked Oliver's motivations. I liked how he handled situations. I like how he eventually will evolve out of being a killer. Um. I I like the the direction that that the team cuz that was the other cool thing. He didn't just, you know, go to Diggle 
and Felicity and say, hey, want to join up? You know, they they joined gradually, and I like that way of writing. I think the writers are doing a really good job out of this. Um, if I really had a complaint about season one, his mother is just a god-awful character. Yeah, they rectify that eventually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good old Blade. Um so I think that's going to do it for us here in this episode of Remote Control. Chuck, where can the people find you and interact with you online, sir? Um, I don't know. I'm not on Twitter, so. <laughs> okay, <laughs> then. No Twitter. Our, uh, no, no Twitter account. Um, not a not a huge social media fan, but we do have a Talking in Circles Facebook page, so you can look that up. Yep. Awesome. Uh, what about you, Steve? Well, I'm SCP-21, among other places. Uh, you can follow at Geekcast Radio on Twitter um, and all that other good stuff. I am at TF2 and Mike. Uh, coming up next on Remote Control is going to be Season Pass Arrow Season 2, so stay tuned for that. Yay! You know, slot machines, I mean, how do you call yourself a casino without any lucky sevens? Stay focused, please. It's really good having you inside me. And by you, I mean your voice. And by me, I mean my ear. And stop talking right now. That would be my preference. You've just listened to Remote Control. Thank you for tuning in to Remote Control. There are several ways to get in contact with us or leave feedback for the show. You can visit the website, geekcastradio.com. You can email us feedback at geekcastradio.com. Be sure to leave us feedback in iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Geekcast Radio. Become a fan of us on Facebook by searching Geekcast Radio Network. You can call the voicemail line. Be sure to leave us your name and the show you're leaving it for. The number is 502-526-5821. We hope you enjoyed the latest episode of Remote Control. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time, you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery.